Welcome to Season 3 of The Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. So welcome to episode 149 of The Lifestyle Chase. And today I am joined by Jay Downton. So how are you today? Like, how has your day been going so far? Uh, I'm doing extremely well. Um, today's been a very positive day. There's, uh, I had a call. We're running a little bit late uh, to, to kick this off. And, I, and it's because I got a very interesting phone call that uh, has been something uh, we've been working on for a long time that we just got some very positive news about. So uh, very good day. Very good day. That's awesome. I mean, the world needs more positive news in, in times like this. Like on March 15th, what's the first thing that went through your mind? Like that, that is a memorable time of 2020. What, what were your first thoughts? So, uh, so the week before that um, was a very amazing week. Uh, we had with Oilers Nation, we, we, uh, we do a lot of travel where we send people you know, we send groups outside of Edmonton to watch games in like Vegas or Calgary. And we also bring people in to watch games in Edmonton. And we had this awesome group of, uh, 26 Germans, uh, that we got to host in Edmonton and just had the time of our lives. And one of the games we were supposed to go to was that, um, one, I believe it was on the ninth or something, ninth or 10th or whatever against Winnipeg, where during the, during that game, the NBA canceled their season or postponed their season due to COVID. And the reality of COVID was, was getting real. And then we had to spend the next four days with them because they weren't leaving until the 13th, I believe 13th or 14th, um, where, you know, we just had to make the best of it and, you know, mitigating and dealing with the potential doubts of not having flights home for these guys, uh, and, and all that stuff. But, uh, Nonetheless, we made the best of a very interesting situation and had a really fun, fun week. And then shot out of that into like the severity. And during while this was happening, um, we're just, I'm start thinking, well, what's going to happen to our business? Like, what does this mean? Like we're hearing, you know, borders closing. We're hearing, you know, of lockdown starting to happen. Like, what does that mean to us? And how is that going to affect us? And are we going to survive it? So that was a little bit of backstory to then to March 15th when, uh, you know, the, the, the lockdown button gets pushed. Yeah, it was, a you know, it was a very interesting day because normally if there's a giant fire like that, this, the stress res- response from me just flares up and I, you know, the fireman in me comes and I've got my big hose and I'm like trying to, where do I direct this and how do I put this out? But I was just like, eerily like, holy crap, we might not survive this. But for some reason, because it was so beyond my control, I didn't feel stressed out about it, which was so weird because I've never felt that because I've had to deal with some big fires in my past. And, um, you know, it's that stress response to, to jump into the fight to fix it was there where initially when, when COVID hit, it was, oh my God, like, this is beyond my control. Um, and this could be the demise of everything I'm involved with because I don't, I don't know enough at that point. I had no information. It was uncertain. I don't know how long this is going to last. Um, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm seeing the impact it's caused. So that day hits and all of a sudden my phone's blowing up, whether it be our franchisees, oodle noodle being like, what are we going to do? How am I going to afford our rent? to, you know, our sponsors and, and, and partners on the nation network calling and saying, Hey, Jay, uh, we have to pause our deal. And me as a business owner have to be empathetic with that. And, you know, watching our revenue drop 90% over the course of 72 hours and all this stuff kind of just hitting you being like, okay, well, 
um, I had this weird piece because it was beyond my control. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to create a list and just start kind of chipping away at it. Uh, and the stress I was really trying to put on myself during this time was like, Jay, this is the craziest crisis of your life. But also during this time, it's deal with the crisis stuff, but the pre- the pressure you need to put on yourself is unlocking the opportunity um, that something like this can provide. Um, and that's where I put a lot of stress on myself. So kind of a long answer, but what I felt on that day or around that day, but like so many things were happening in and around that time and kind of just how I, how I absorbed it and, uh, responded to it was super interesting. I posted a video, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, and I did a written post, uh, cause I just felt the need to do it. Cause I'm, I'm assuming I, I assumed I was not the only one feeling this and, there was others that were probably responding to it differently. Like this was beyond your control. You did nothing wrong to have this, like to, to be going through this, to have this impact on your business. So like, you know, this is a, this is a human moment where we're in this together and to let everyone know that like, it's not your fault. And let's just try to focus on getting out of this uh, because it's about weathering this storm and don't let it sink you. And, you know, Cause that's, that's what we do is we beat ourselves up when something negative like this happens and you know, then it's our fault and then we shut down and the next thing you know, you, you can quickly be sinking. So, you know, I just felt the need to like share that message cause it was just, it was just my heart talking and I've never posted something that got so much attention before in my life. Um, because I think a lot of us were feeling that because everyone was feeling it. So I said to you before this started, I like to talk. So, uh, that's my long winded answer to March 15th. That was perfect. I mean, I had a feeling that that would get you because like I saw the post and I was like, wow, I connected with that post. I know a lot of my audience will connect to it, even like people from the US who don't know who you are. But that brings us to I want people to know who you are. Like, what do you do? How would you describe yourself at a party? Um, (laughs) what, What makes you up? Like, what makes you who you are? Yeah, it's always I get asked you know, what I, what do I do? And it's, it's an interesting answer because I don't know. I'm just, I'm just this like, like Edmonton in the grand scheme of things is a small town, right? So I'm a small town guy who just puts his head down and like, you know, I'm a passionate guy and I pursue my passion type things. And now I've created this kind of, uh, this web of businesses that kind of been the byproduct of it. So, um, yeah, um, I'm the co-founder uh, of OilersNation.com, uh, with the mother company being the Nation Network, works uh, sixteen sites, uh, independent sports media company with a predominant focus in hockey. Uh, started as a passion project in two thousand seven um, with the launch of Oilers Nation because uh, we wanted to create. My partner and I wanted to create a company that, uh, or a business that would excite us, um, and all roads led to hockey. And, uh, we built, uh, a small business off of that and saw some early success and started scaling that out, uh, to now, you know, we're a network of, of 16 sites and an online community, um, that we're speaking to, uh, in normal times in season, uh, of, you know, four and a half to 5 million people. So kind of a unique digital community we've created, uh, and now, you know, building out the business and monetization elements of that but sports sports fan and lifestyle content um, around hockey is the, is the MO for the nation network. Uh, and then I'm involved with Oodle Noodle. Oodle Noodle is now a 14 store franchise chain that started in Edmonton by our founder, uh, Sunny fam uh, with the white Ave location in 2005. Uh, we came on a, a board. Uh, Sunny invited us to come aboard uh, in 2010 and we downloaded Sonny's brain, uh, into a franchise concept and Sonny built a factory cause his dream was to supply his franchise company. Um, and we created a partnership and started that. And, uh, you know, we're now at 14 stores soon to be 15. We just locked up our 15th, uh, franchisee, uh, and a couple other in the works. And then also working on our expansion plans to, um, to leave Edmonton, but we focused on Edmonton because, you know, mainly we're here, uh, and kind of stuck here with all and stuck here in a good way with all the things that we have on the go. So we felt it was important to 
complete the Edmonton market before we left it. And plus we had a good understanding of it and, you know, some influence with it, with our following with the nation and all that. Cause a lot of the stuff with, and with Oodle Noodle early on and, and still to this day was launched off the back of Oilers nation, which was kind of interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic. And then, uh, a passion project of ours that's turned into a business was, you know, we wanted to solve the pr- problem of, uh, not having any amenities in the river Valley, um, through our connection and work, uh, on the tourism side with Oilers nation, we do a lot of work with Edmonton tourism and we would see how they market Edmonton to the world. And a lot of it, a lot of the photos, uh, were about the river Valley and you know that's so interesting because we like to brag about it but there's nothing down there to keep us there outside of going for a run a walk and a a bike ride which is great things but like how come you can't get a coffee a burger a beer a cookie um you know there's a lot of people coming down there so we thought if we built an amenity people would come so that was the hypothesis um or uh yeah or thesis i guess uh, for, for, for little brick. So little brick, we bought this, um, super old house, 1903 that has an amazing historical connection to Edmonton. It's, uh, the, the, the cafe and the, and the little brick house is located in, uh, in Riverdale. Riverdale used to be a giant brickyard and the, the owner of the brickyard, this is the house that uh, we occupy now with little brick cafe and the, or nation offices. So there was an interesting story to preserve, uh, with this house. And that's why we called the cafe little brick because the owner of the, the brickyard's name was JB little. Um, so we wanted to keep his legacy alive, uh, because a lot of the bricks that came down here from Riverdale are remaining in the historical buildings that are still standing today. So we wanted to create, create that connection. So we came, restored the house, opened up a cafe, put our offices in, um, to cover the the payment should the cafe not work or should the cafe need more runway while we figure out what it needs to be or what it needs to offer um, to, 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 to make a go of it. And uh, Little Brick was born. Uh, so it was our litmus test to see if we build an amenities, will people show up? And if they do, um, if it's well-supported, can we do another? Uh, so um, Little Brick's kind of uh, led into the the bigger parent company, which is the River Valley Company, and River Valley Company is to to do uh, real estate developments, but not development in, in like with the bad word development uh, of the of the River Valley, and that's by building unique real estate projects and partnering up with cool local creatives to provide more amenities uh, to the River Valley, and also um, help build um, and support our local regional and global tourism so some fun things that uh little brick has done to support that is little brick's been designated a attraction by edmonton tourism Uh, we've hosted many many global uh, tourist groups here for brunch and shared the story of little brick uh, to them we've uh, we've been featured in en route magazine we shot um we did a video with klm uh, they got uh, put on the uh, on the planes there when promoting Edmonton from a video content side. I also got to do a how to play hockey video with the uh, with the star uh, that they brought their car and uh, scores guard, I believe her name was. Um, we had a lot of fun at West Edmonton Mall doing that. So you know that's all kind of leading to like helping support the uh, the tourism economy. So our next project down the street from Little Brick is going to be it's called the Umberville Block. It's a three story mixed use building where we're going to have uh, a bakery called uh, Bread and Butter uh, because Little Brick has a lot of baking needs. Our community is also asked to have a bakery in it. We're very engaged with the community of Riverdale and the surrounding areas. Um, and then we're also, also opening up a bistro called Dog Patch. So Dog Patch, uh, its name comes from all the workers that worked uh, at the brickyard lived down in Riverdale. They built their own kind of little town. And that was called Dog Patch. So we wanted to keep the story of that alive. And then the, the name of the building, um, Umberville Block, is named after um, a, a Métis lady by the name of Louise Umberville, who was a matriarch of Fort Edmonton. So she's got a very interesting story and essentially uh, ran Fort Edmonton. Uh, so played a very pivotal role in the early beginnings of Edmonton. So we wanted to to keep and preserve that story as well. 
So uh, to add more elements to what's going on in that building is we're putting our offices on the second floor. And then on the third floor, the cool thing is we're opening up a bed and breakfast. Thinking the thesis being that if we bundle, well, the River Valley is cool. Having staying in the River Valley sounds cool, but bundling the experience and the amenities of little brick and bread and butter and dog patch into your stay as a package or, um, of, 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 to your, to, to enhance your experience, I guess, for staying with us. Uh, we think that that that's a value that people would subscribe to. Uh, and it also allows us to say that, um, these are the first hotel rooms in the river Valley in over a hundred years. So another long answer for you. That was awesome. Like that's so much that I really didn't know. I mean, I see little brick pop up on social media all the time. What I love about it is seeing how many local businesses are able to collaborate within those walls. Um, just all the different things that can be sold as a product. Like, if it's produced locally, it's just cool to see. It's as you said, Edmonton is kind of like a small town. Like it doesn't seem to matter how many people actually live here. It kind of just feels like there's about 500 people. Cause it's like, everybody <laughs> knows everybody. Yeah. Um, but that's part of its charm. Exactly. Right. So have you lived in Edmonton your whole life? Yep. Born and raised. Uh, I grew up, uh, the unorthodox way in the sense of I grew up downtown, uh, when, before downtown was a thing, uh, and it was mainly, um, older people that lived downtown. So I was like one of the few kids that drove everyone crazy cause I was young and loud, but I remember days walking down Jasper Ave and like absolute ghost town no cars in the street you could play a street hockey game uninterrupted on a saturday downtown which was i i remember that vividly as a kid and then at the age of 10 moved to the west end and then um still felt like my heart was downtown so uh as soon as i could move back uh to the to the downtown area well that's so crazy to to hear that perspective like for you to see downtown in that state i mean obviously in the last like 10 or less years downtown has totally transformed but like even more than 10 years ago but not too much more downtown as it was still wasn't that busy like if if all that rambling makes sense like i mean i know that i had a job downtown in about 2011 and it was nothing like it is now with the ice mm -hmm. district added to it um when you were going around playing uh, hockey in the streets and stuff like was there stuff that sort of inspired you or stuff that you thought about or things that kind of connect to how you make your choices in business today that's an interesting question i a memory came to mind uh like so our first franchise location of oodle noodle is uh in the intact insurance building on jasper and 108 and before that building was there there was this old decrepit building there and I'd walk by it. Cause we'd, me and my mom would always go, uh, shopping at, um, the Bay. So Bay enterprise, uh, station or, um, what, uh, U of A is taking over the, the, the Hudson Bay building there, but that used to be a Bay. And I used to go there as a kid all the time. And I'd walk by this building and be like, Oh, like this building's old and growing. Like the businesses are all like, like shot in it. I'm like, this is like a weird old, like gross building, like as a kid. And if I could have told that kid that like, actually it's going to be a beautiful building and you're going to own a business in there. I bet you his mind would explode. Um, yeah, it's, uh, for me, everything that we've done in business. And I think hopefully as I kind of explained what we're up to, um, has a very strong Edmonton component. So for me, it, uh, where my fuel for business comes is from, you know, trying to be one of the people and there's, uh, and there's so many people now that are staying here and investing their time and their talents and efforts in Edmonton. And that's kind of the Renaissance we're seeing from even 10 years ago. Um, all the cool creatives and experiences in our culinary scene that's just kind of blossoming, which is just phenomenal because this helps put your city on the map is like, for me, it, it's, it is that it's like helping put Edmonton on the map. The only time 
I felt that Edmonton was the big city, the Emerald City, is when I'd go visit my family in Saskatchewan. Right. And they'd be like, holy cow, Edmonton, like it's crazy. But like, you know, I remember being, you know, you go to Calgary and people from Calgary shit on you because you're from Edmonton. You go, you know, every year, you know, when we were young in our early 20s, we would go uh, to Mexico on a big, you know, group trip. That was, we did that every year, we did it for like five years. And you'd go, go to the pools, uh, you know, you'd start kind of recognizing a Canadian accent and kind of connecting you from Canada. And then you say, Oh, where are you from? And they say Toronto. And you and they ask where you're from. And they say Edmonton and they go, Oh, and like you're immediately judged for some reason. So this to me kind of just developed a giant chip on my shoulder. Like I like being an underdog. Uh, I, I kind of thrive in it. Um, and it, it's kind of what, uh, lights my lights, my fire, but, uh, you know, it's, it, it just developed this giant chip on my shoulder. So that is what has been motivating me to do the things we do because all of it kind of leads back to promoting and helping Edmonton be a cooler city. Like we're just playing a small part. Um, and, but we're not the only ones. It's like a whole mindset shift, right? Like, you know, 15 years ago, people would ask me, where should I go eat? Well, I would say Earl's Joey's or Moxie's. Right. Like, but like, and, and, and like, I, I, and then one day I was just like, geez, like I'm embarrassed. That's all I know and, and, and say, but you know, our options were really, were really chain centric at that point. But then, you know, that started shifting and cool independent artisan shops started opening up and started changing the culture and people that would normally leave Edmonton to go pursue these things or, or they did leave to pursue it and realize, holy cow, like moving to Vancouver and trying to get in the culinary scene or being a, a chef. Like I'm just, I, I, I'm just working to pay rent and that's it. Like I have no life. Like, Holy cow. If I go to Edmonton, lower cost of living, like a better opportunity f- for me to go back and uh, share my talents. And I can actually like live a good life. Like it, there's a huge value proposition to Edmonton. So people were leaving and coming back and people were realizing that actually, no, I want to double down and invest in my city. And it's like this collective mindset that's allowing Edmonton to go through this change that we're seeing right now. That's, you know, putting us on the map, you know, uh, you know, uh, we're already on the map, but it just being getting a little bit more notoriety kind of everyday type thing. So for me, like that's the, that's, that's the problem I want to help, uh, help fix. And, um, you know, all of our businesses that we do have a connection to that. And, um, that's what is my motivation for business. Well, that's awesome. I mean, to be able to kind of reflect on, yeah, just how much our city has changed with the the different restaurants popping up. And I can relate, like, I mean, I would have been a lot younger when I was thinking of like, the keg being a go-to place or, or any of the, the franchise restaurants. But now like if somebody asks me, I can list off all kinds of places that are only in Edmonton and are special because you can't find them anywhere else. And half the time I know the owners, which makes it even more special. Um, I want to take us into the time machine to the year 2007. And what were you thinking then when you were kind of thinking of Oilers Nation as like sort of like a, a project that you might pursue? Yeah. So to kind of take it just a little bit further back and what led us to Oilers Nation. Um, so my first ever business was pub crawls. So before pub crawls were a big thing, me and my business partner started doing pub crawls. I went on one that he did with uh, some other guys. I'm like, this is so much fun. Uh, I think I can help. Like if you ever want that, let's, let's, let's partner and let's do that. And, um, we did it. Uh, we sold our first bus and then kind of the rest is history for the next kind of three years of our life. 
um, because it was a lifestyle play that it was, you know, it was a going out was a big part of my life when I was young. That was kind of like you turned 18. It's like, wow, now I can go out. Like that's the whole thing. Like your weekends were designed around that. You went to your friend's house at like four in the afternoon to like get ready for your day and you'd have all these events and then you would head out and then it was the next morning and this, like it was the whole lifestyle. And that was like kind of how, you know, me and my friends kind of, you know, that, that's where we got our, 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 our fun. And, um, that fit well into pub crawl. So it was something I was passionate about. So I wasn't afraid to pick up the phone and start calling people and doing all that fun stuff. So, so much. So we had enough success that it paid for our school. So our first business venture was a success in the sense of its mission was give me some walking around money and pay for my school. And this is great. Uh, and it funded the lifestyle I was, you know, I was into at the time. Uh, so, it, uh, it was a great fit. So we tried to parlay that into doing a bar logical thing, you know, pub crawls, you're going to bar. So why not, you know, be the bar? Well, um, you know, we went with the big thing at the time was like the drama of owning a bar, you know, the fights, the, this, the, that, like, and that was something we didn't want to be a part of. So we came up with a concept to be like a live music venue uh, with like a blues live music venue and just knowing that the, cause that's the crowds that attracted were, um, no, like low maintenance in the sense of we, there was no drama. Uh, we, you know, we could open, you know, shorter hours. We didn't have to be open till two, three in the morning. We could be closed at midnight or one. Um, but same time we didn't know anything about blues music or anything about the community around blues music. So, uh, we launched that and, and, and sorry. And we also wanted to bolt on a sports component. Cause obviously we love hockey, but the sports component got taken from us cause there was the year long hockey strike. So we launched this blues concept quickly realizing like, I don't know how to go to market and pitch this. Cause I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. We're signing up bands. We don't know if they're good or not. Like we have no one directing us and sure people are showing up, but we didn't know, that uh, the blues audience wasn't going to come and drink 20 beers. They were coming to have a beer and a meal, right? So like did not fit our, the model that we needed. So we made a lot of bad decisions and bad guesses on a concept we knew nothing about and weren't passionate about. So we, you know, I think it was 14 months, we quickly failed. And that bar was called Blue Chicago. So that was a giant eyesore once it was shut on the corner of 142nd and Stony Plain Road that sat there for many years that uh, was always a reminder of me for me uh, of what that was and what I should learn from it. So we always call that our, um, our MBA in business. Cause you know, I learned a lot about business uh, during that time um, and, and, and made a lot of mistakes to learn from. And the whole thing from that was never again. Like if we're doing something, it has to be something we're passionate about just like pub crawls. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't willing to go door to door repping our blues bar because I wasn't that passionate about it at all. Like I was just, I loved the idea of a bar, but like it wasn't the right brand for version or whatever. Um, and you know, I, I just, I remember I would try to go and pitch it, but like I was, there was, I was selling no sizzle. I was just going to do it because I was just doing it. And I was just saying words. There was nothing, there was nothing, there was no brand behind it. There was no motivation or passion behind it. So it didn't translate well. So, and, 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 and for me, it just, it felt like climbing Mount Everest every time I had to go do it. So like very daunting, but uh, so, you know, when we did the debrief kind of gave myself six months of grieving after that. Um, as we shut the bar, the funny thing is, is, hockey comes back for the last couple months of while we're open. And that turns into the 06 cup run, which is just like, Oh, like we waited a year and we had this, this would have been different. But anyways, um, so going through the green process of failing, uh, and then kind of to amping myself uh, self back up to want to get into business. We kind of did like a, a soul searching event of being like, okay, what, what didn't work with the bar? Why didn't it work? And if we're going going to go into business, what does it need to be? And that's where we kind of did like our kind of core value type thing where it was, um, we want to do something online because the opportunity to scale is very high. Um, the cost to entry is very low. Um, we didn't have a lot of money. 
We lost it all in a bar. So it kind of ticked a lot of boxes. So what is it that we want to do? And so all roads led to hockey. Um, and we felt there was room on the shelf to create an independent site that um, was very fan focused and community focused because um, you know, this is going through the trend, the transition of like traditional media to kind of nouveau new age media where in the traditional sense, you're always told kind of what to think, like here's the facts or here's the numbers or here it is. Right. Like, you know, and, 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 and that's kind of how the news of our team was given to us, but it never referenced what the fans were thinking or any conversation amongst fans or uh, it engaged with the fans in any kind of content. It was very like, this is what the news is, take it or leave it type thing. So we thought there was a opportunity to kind of build a brand around the, the, the lifestyle of being a fan um, by, you know, and creating content around that, but also having mainstream and professional content because you need to have some, some legitimate voices there. So that was kind of the, the whole antithesis to, to start the nation. And then during this time, what happened is the Oilers traded Ryan Smith and we were all very upset about that. And so while we were kind of plotting and planning and developing what we wanted Oilers nation to look like, we created a website called bring Ryan home, the uh, protest site for when Smitty got traded, we created t-shirts with a missing person ad on the front. We got a store to pick them up and carry them. We sold 72 shirts. We thought we were Tommy Hilfiger. And uh, the neat thing from all that is we had 30,000 people visit the site in like three weeks. So we're like, okay, well, this is the fire to light under our ass to do Oilers nation because there's people online that care about hockey. They care about Edmonton hockey. And it also smoked it. We created enough noise that it smoked out a sponsor being like, this was interesting. What you did here, what are you planning to do with this? And so then we pitched, you know, we put Oilers nation was a piece of paper and we dangled it in front of them and they said, yeah, we'll sponsor that. Uh, so it kind of gave us, it just unlocked all this stuff and motivation to get Oilers nation off the ground. So Later that year, in November of 2007, we launched Oilers Nation. So uh, that's 2000. That's 2004 to 2007. Well, I mean, that's important context. I wouldn't have appreciated everything about Oilers Nation having not known about everything that led up into it. Like you talk about driving past, like the the former bar, and having that kind of give you a sort of like a sinking feeling or a feeling of like, ah, lesson learned MBA. Mm -hmm. Um, In that moment where you initially knew show was over with that, um, how did you bounce back? Like I know from my own experiences, anytime something's not worked out, I kind of feel like the world is crashing down. Like how, how would you speak to something like that? Like I said, I called it a grieving process because initially when that happened, I was like, well, there it was. That was my chance at business. It didn't work. I'm just going to be a banker for the rest of my life because that's what I, I, I was before the bar. And then I went back into banking after the bar. And um, so I'm like, I guess I'm a, I'm a banker for life. Uh, and that's okay. And, you know, I tried. Uh, and that was kind of the initial kind of feeling. And then, you know, is that kind of subsides. Cause you know, you're just like, y- y- you failed, right? You screwed up. Like you made a ton of mistakes and it resulted in you losing, you know, your money. And you know, it's, it was trying to get that confidence to want to go do that again. I ultimately knew at some point I'd get back into business, but it just, it just had to tick the, all, all the boxes. You can never be you know, you can, you can plan as much as you want. You're never fully prepared to start a business and that's fine. But, you know, I wanted to tick the boxes. So I felt motivated to take the, want to take the plunge again, because I knew it's something I, I ultimately wanted to get back into. Um, but, uh, I had to feel, I had to feel that pub crawl energy. Yeah. So I talked to that like 21 year old, 20 year old Jay who was working the phones like crazy. Cause that's what you did. You didn't text people at that time. You just called everyone you could uh, landlines, cell phones, whatever. Um, and, uh, I wanted to always make sure that I'm doing something that speaks to that guy. And the minute I did it, the minute I felt that guy, that's when I'm like, okay, we're, I'm in like, that's kind of like, that's the motivation. Yeah. So 
you're pretty established at starting one location and obviously starting numerous locations now, but at the point where you were at that tipping point, like you had Oilers Nation or you had the first Oodle Noodle, what was happening when you're like, okay, we're going to do more of these. We're going to scale this out. Like what was going through your mind and what kind of like uh, support did you have to seek out? Yeah. So Oodle Noodle was interesting for us because, you know, we weren't really restaurant tours and we just, you know, four years earlier had a bar that failed. Um, so, you know, we weren't necessarily the, if you looked at our resume, we weren't the guys to do this. Um, but I was probably one of the best customers of Oodle Noodle there was, uh, of Sonny's and I loved and believed in the product. And I knew that is what was going to push me through, um, to get through and make sure this succeeds. So, um, you know, we brought on consultants, um, we talked to peers in the industry. I, I was still in business financing. So I was a, I was a, I was a commercial lender at ATB financial, uh, for five or six years. And when the Oodle Noodle opportunity came, I quickly stopped doing all the business lending, like the land lending, building purchase, um, all the other types of stuff. And I focused strictly on franchise financing. So I'm like, I need to learn how these guys get their money to build stores for the franchisees. And I want to learn from these brands and I want to talk to the franchisees. Um, what's working, what's not, what are the pain points? So I can kind of have an understanding of how we need to be as a franchise or and what level of support we need to provide to make sure that they are feeling value um, and kind of building that out in terms of what our value proposition would be. Um, and then also just structuring it um, so we could afford to fail uh, early on because we knew that we were going to make some mistakes. So we started uh, the franchise version of Oodle Noodle. We opened three stores pretty quickly, um, probably over the course of 14 months. Um, and we structured it so we, if we made a mistake, we could fix it. And um, we didn't have, like, we, we had control. So we didn't have a franchisee that could stop us or anything. If we had to change for like the color of the brand isn't working, we need to paint the walls a different color, like, or, you know, we need to change, you know, a supplier or we need to change this. Like we couldn't be stopped because we knew we were going to make mistakes and it was to protect our franchisees from us and ourselves from ourselves. Um, and that's kind of was the first kind of two to three years of Oodle Noodle was just like, let's get it open. Let's see what it looks like. Sunny's in the factory. So that we know the food that we're getting is going to be good because Sunny's in control and that's important. Um, so, you know, we saw, we saw a lot of success from a revenue standpoint, but the operation back end standpoint, we had a lot of flaws. Um, and it was basically because of the learnings of the bar uh, that we implemented this strategy. So we could afford some room to fail. So we had time to fix it. So, so we could really, build and strengthen our foundation to grow. Um, because the bar we bootstrapped, you know, we opened with like a $1 in the account. So like relying on all these sales, like we came in well-financed. So we mitigated a lot of that stuff to just give us the runway we needed to, to, to have these, these, these failures. Um, but, you know, knowing that uh, we were going to recognize them quickly and not lull on them and sit on them and you know come up with solutions and repair them uh as quick as possible so uh that was like the first three years of oodle noodle was the the operation of these three stores i think we might have opened one more during that time but we were moving really slow uh so we we really worked on tightening the system um from an operation standpoint i guess from every standpoint uh and then from there once we felt like the the foundation was strong enough we would then like open two more stores and just kind of see, can the system handle it? Okay. Everything's working. Okay. Well now let's, let's bring, let's grow the team a little bit uh, and bring on some smarter minds on the operation side. Um, and now let's open like six stores in the next four years or three years type thing. And so we're kind of slowly just kind of putting our foot down on the growth pedal um, to now, you know, we're at 14 soon to be 15 stores 
and now kind of ready to kind of take the next the, into the next phase of, of the business, which would be, you know, moving from being an Edmonton chain to a regional chain. So our provincial chain. Yeah. So then with Oilers nation, just all the other nation branches, um, <laughs> what has it been like? Because you talked about how you kind of, you, you create your own voice. And I mean, like content is everything. You can make good captivating content. You can make cap, uh, content that just falls on a, on a deaf audience. Um, yeah. Like what is it that, helps guide your intuition with who to have on the team um what have been some learning moments etc yeah there's definitely been a lot of learning moments with the nation um the one thing that like literally just the realization came about a year ago is you know we can't build an oilers nation in every market in the sense of the look the feel the tone I, I, I was, I was stubborn to think that was the case because the culture of each community is slightly different. And so, you know, there's things we do in Oilers nation that don't take on Canucks army. And instead of doubling down and just keep trying to force it through to that community, it's like, no, well, let's embrace what they really want. And actually, so like, that was a huge aha moment for us. It's like, we kept saying, we have to scale, we have to scale all everything we do with Oilers nation. Well, Yes, we have to scale it, but it's, it's, everything's just a, is defined differently and it's a different execution. It's a different tone. It's a different that. And that was something that, um, was kind of a interesting thing because for years we just kept trying to force it through and force it through. Uh, and once we started embracing and recognizing and, 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 and partnering up with, uh, uh, with people in those communities that had a solid understanding of the pulse, we started really starting to see the, the growth uh, to those other sites that are now starting to catch up and knock on the door of Oilers nation in terms of size and traffic. Um, so that was kind of an interesting thing, but just once again, proves that like, I'm just such an Edmonton focused guy. Uh, right. So trying to be open to collaboration and yeah, like, you know, some mistakes, you know, along the way, you know, some, some bad acquisitions, you know, you, you, you try to fund yourself through, uh, growing, uh, launching new sites and buying existing ones, um, ones that haven't worked out financially for us. Um, but we've also had some that have done extremely well and have been a huge value to, uh, the nation network as a whole and really helped solidify and put us on the map, um, as like a legitimate independent, uh, news company or sports news company. Um, so yeah, like it's, there's been, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to push the envelope on growth and that by its nature, we're going to have some wins and some losses. But for us now, like we're willing to realize when th- something's a loss and just accept it and move on and not try to just coddle it and, you know, keep trying to be the blues bar, even though you don't want to be the blues bar. Um, like if it's not working, just move on. Who cares? Focus on the things, double down on the things that are working and then smoke out a new opportunity and try to make that work. And, but don't give it all of your energy if it's not providing the, the returns or the, the, yeah, the, the returns that you need to see from it. So yeah, it's like still, you know, the nation is still something we make, you know, mistakes on, but I think every business you're constantly making mistakes, but it's just a willing to acknowledge it and learn from it uh, and then move on. Definitely. Um, you talked about how you had a bit of a banking background, you had business background. Did you have background on like working in the online space, creating websites, anything like that? Uh, no, no, none. Um, my business partner had a little bit. Uh, he's very, he's very interested in tech. Uh, and that would kind of push me to, so I'm like, okay, well, this is the, this is the, the yin and yang. So he'll have the, I, the IT background to kind of get things off the ground. And then I'll work on the business development and, and we'll collab on the brand development of, of everything and kind of go from there. So I have learned a lot, uh, a lot during this time. One of the funniest mistakes we've actually made is, um, you know, we built the network up. I don't know if, what, how many sites we were at, but we we're at about a hundred and like 75 million network page views. So we thought this was huge. And we were able to, um, so, and, and, and we would monetize our sites by doing direct sales, 
right? So everything, every ad you saw on the site, every partnership you did was a result of a direct deal that like I did or my business partner did. Um, and that's how we monetize the site. So then we got into this relationship to purchase hockeyfights.com, which is a very OG hockey website, um, an established brand in the marketplace. Um, and with that came, you know, its founder, uh, who kind of opened our eyes, um, to being like, Hey, um, how are you monetizing your sites? Oh, well, we're just doing direct ad sales. Oh, so what about your, like your ad network revenue? Well, what's, what's, what's that? So you're like, you're not getting Google AdWords. You're not getting all these things. Like this is stuff that just, they, you just put on your site. And if you don't sell the ad, they show up and you get money for it. And we're like, well, holy cow, we've been running this company for this long. And we didn't know that we missed out on so much revenue because we didn't have that implemented for five, six years, uh, five years, I guess that, uh, it's almost, la it's, it's laughable. Like, so that next year we plug it all in and we have someone who knows what he's doing based on this acquisition that we did. And he set up the, the network and all of a sudden it's, we've doubled our revenue and we didn't like, we didn't really have to do anything. We just had to have someone who just knew how the world worked and just plug us into the system. But the fact that we didn't know X, we were just so focused on what we were good at. So in, 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 that was a giant mistake. It didn't like sink the company because everyone was blown away with how well we could, uh, sell our sites, but it was because, you know, once again, going back to like the passion and caring and really being able to pitch that and, uh, across the table to, uh, a potential partner. But, uh, that was something that was like, still to this day, we just laugh about because it's like, it's, it's like every publisher, online publisher, like that is their main source of revenue. They don't even do direct ad sales. So everyone's always blown away. We do direct ad deals and, like, like that's why you built a site. So you could monetize it off the back of, you know, the, the Googles and the Amazons and, and whatnot, the, all those giant ad networks out there. And we did it the complete opposite and the harder way. And then we got to plug in the easy money. That was, um, yeah, that, that was, that, that was so on brand for us to make that mistake. <laughs> well, I mean, it outlines the, uh, the importance of having like grassroots skills, like the, the ability to be able to like kind of knock on doors, even if they're technological doors. Um, and then also the importance of like, like for myself, I like to surround myself with people who have skills that are completely unlike what I would consider myself skilled at, because then they're going to be able to shine the light on like what could be these like, uh, wake up calls like oh wow with very little effort we can actually have an easier go at things um to kind of gear us back in i am curious like in all of your businesses and all of your tough obstacles in life are there people that you've looked up to throughout all this time like role models mentors um Initially, no, because I, I, I don't know, I, I was close-minded uh, and was um, unsure to reach out to people and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, like definitely now, and that was like part of my personal growth is like establishing that. And that's what's been helping me uh, become better and learn more. I'm now more open to learning. Uh, so, you know, for me, like mentors, I don't have like direct mentors per se. Um, but I've got certain people that I, I, I talk to about certain different things in different areas. And then a lot of the, there's a lot of trusted voices, um, uh, that, uh, you know, people I read, people I listen to, um, in, 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 in that, you know, that, that are leaders in different industries that relate to me in, in different industries that uh, I look up to and kind of, you know, listen, uh, to what they have to say, and then try to put that through my filter on what that means for what we're doing and what I could kind of create from that. So now I'm more open to like searching that. Um, one of the biggest things I did, and, I, and, and this isn't a mentor thing. This is more of like a self care thing is I brought in, a uh, the help of a mindfulness coach, uh, because, um, especially, you know, we, we, we virtually almost like everything's about like three, four years apart. Like everything virtually started at the same time. Like 
or, you know, you started one and three years later, you start another and three years later, you start something else. Like everything is still fresh and still all going on like the same trajectory. So like there's days where like something giant was on fire with everything we're doing. Uh, and this was creating severe, uh, situations of like overwhelm for me and, you know, not knowing how to stay focused or compartmentalize things. So I can start kind of taking things off a list and just, you know, put my head down to get things done. I was just feeling consumed by all of it and not getting anything done, just spinning my wheels. Um, so I brought in, um, and, and started working with a, a mindfulness coach, uh, to kind of help me process stress, uh, identify what are my triggers and mitigate my triggers and try to just kind of keep me present and focused, uh, in my day to day. So I can be my, my best, most efficient self. Cause, um, you know, when things are still early on, um, you have to wear a lot of hats and, and move the chains on a lot of things on behalf of your company until you can un- unlock resources to bring on smarter minds to lead certain areas of your business for you. So I was at that kind of point in, 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 in on my journey. And, uh, that was something I'll point back to as one of the best things I could have done, uh, to help me kind of get to now, you know, w- to where I am today, um, and how I operate today. Um, it's, 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 it's amazing kind of what putting that effort in and it's still a constant battle. Um, I fight it. I, I still fight with it, but now I have uh, an outlet, um, someone to talk to who can listen. I always have the answer, but I sometimes just don't know it's, it's in me, but I just don't know where to find it. And sometimes it's just dumping all of this stress onto someone and they listen and be like, Hey, this is what you're actually saying. Oh, okay. And then like that just diffuses everything. And then like teaching me how I can get there on my own is the biggest thing. So that was one of the big things uh, I did on my personal journey to uh, help be the most, the, the best version and efficient uh, uh, version of myself in business. Well, I mean, that's important. I'm glad you mentioned that. I saw it in your uh, social media and I was like, yeah, that seems like something that I would do. Like, it, it's tough to to reach out and ask for help in that avenue. But um, when you're wanting to do so many different things, like, that takes a toll. Like, you're going to have a lot on your mind. There's going to be things that go wrong. It's gonna feel like they talk about the rise to the top can be very isolating and like when you're building businesses when you are trying to achieve goals sometimes you can kind of get in your head or get overwhelmed or have too much on the mind so hopefully people hear that and then it's a bit of a reassurance that they can kind of uh dig a little deeper in in their own wellness not everybody's going to be the same but people will have things that that they can do one thing that stood out to me though is you're talking about how a lot of what you do is kind of led with your heart and like especially with just your your ties to edmonton like you're very loyal to edmonton um and i have seen many times with your involvement with with charity and with community um recently saw your video of learning to be a princess i think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um what what kind of makes your decisions in in charity like there's so many people that can use support there's so many causes to support what is uh your your guide that moves you in the direction that you go with with the different causes that you support yeah um so one of the things uh, with within Oodle Noodle is that we say Oodle Noodle loves Edmonton. That's one of our, our uh, core values. You know, if you look at our kind of five core values that we have on the wall, like Yeg Edmonton is like the big, one of the big bubbles on the wall. And then we go to market and we say Oodle Noodle loves Edmonton. So, you know, we, we are active in the community, um, but it was with, you know, no real frequency to it. Um, but if people reached out, we'd always found a way to kind of work with them. Um, but when the pandemic hit, this was, um, our chance to really reinforce that statement of oodle noodle loves Edmonton and to prove to everyone, you know, we're not just saying it, uh, we're backing it up. 
And so uh, we launched um, with our, like, so one of the things with Noodle Noodle is we have a factory that Sunny built that supplies all of our stores with noodles, sauces, tofu, and other uh, dry goods as our uh, store network buying power increases. Um, so Sunny was like, okay, I'm going to start making extra noodles every week because people are hungry and we need to help. Uh, so we started, um, doing weekly donations to the likes of mustard seed and food bank and, um, uh, yes. And other food banks surrounding the, the Edmonton area, the, the, the area that supports us, we wanted to make sure we we're going out and supporting. And we're, it was very interesting, um, what was happening with all that. Um, the impact, the, the charities were so, so happy with uh, us reaching out and coming in and providing them that food. It was, and, and, and just created such a positive impact uh, within us. And, and, and also like just, you know, really heightened the fact that we're actually helping our community and providing a positive impact for them. So it kind of led to like, well, how can we do more? Like, you know, Sunny's already making, you know, hundreds of pounds of noodles every week that we're donating. Uh, that's great. Well, only so many charities feed our community. There's other charities out there that are doing great things to support our community in a, def, a ton of different pockets of, of, of the city and, 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 and our world. And uh, like, how can we help them? Cause they rely on funding and now funding is gone. Like the fundraising drives have gone down to zero. Um, so we created that concept um, to donate a portion of in-store sales um, to local charities. And, and the reason for that was, um, you know, our franchisees are hurting right now. Their sales of all, you know, when the pandemic going back to like the March 15th thing, um, some of our stores saw a 60% drop in sales. Um, and it's on us as a franchisor to like work with them to get that back. Um, work, stand by their side when we're negotiating with their landlords to, to, to buy us a little bit of time to figure out what, you know, their store is going to look like for the next little bit. Um, like that's what we're there to do. So we're, we have to help, help them stay alive. Uh, so for us, for the stores, like delivery is a big component of Oodle Noodle, but delivery is the most expensive sale that we have. So we want to try to find ways to support, um, our franchisees as well. So we created this concept of come in store. And if you come in store, we'll donate 10% to a local charity and let's kind of just see where that goes. So we started with our first charity and we created a list and we want to make sure we're talking to all different genres of charity. Like that's the biggest thing. It's we want to go, we, we want, we want it. We want to touch as many as possible, big, small, and they don't even have to be a charity. They, they could just be a cause, a volunteer group, but anyone that we can identify that are doing things to benefit a segment within our community, whether it be, you know, the Down Syndrome Society or Wind House or Kids with Cancer or Positively Princess, which is the one where I dressed up as a princess, where they go uh, and dress up as princesses and Marvel characters and visit kids who are, uh, are sick at the Stollery or other hospitals or kids in the inner city for their birthday parties that can't afford a fancy birthday party. But like identifying all those causes and making sure we're, we're giving them some love because they, they, they all play a big role in, in, in our city. So, you know, for us, it's no rhyme or reason. We're open to working with any, everyone and we're just out there looking. We're finding stories. People are reaching out to us like Positively Princess. I've never heard of it. And if it wasn't for someone being like, Hey, my friend is in this. Do you think you could help that? And I looked like, well, of course, like, look at what they do. And like, you go and reach out to them. No one's ever reached out to them to make donations. They don't even really do fundraising. And the fact that, you know, we said, we said, Hey, we're little, like we want to partner with you and donate a portion of our, our sales. Um, are you, is that cool? Yeah, that's amazing. Like, and we like to shoot videos, uh, and, and, and we do that because we like to create a lot of content from it because it also 
we, we leverage our platform because we leverage the Oodle Noodle platform, which has got a pretty high social following. And we leverage the Oilers Nation platform to make sure we get their charity out there too. So it's a huge awareness play, but also there's some good dollars coming the way. So like, oh, wow, that's amazing. And um, they thought we were going to be coming in and donating like $200. Well, no, we're actually going to be doing like $3,000, $4,000. And it blows them away uh, when we can do something like that. Um, but it's created this, like, it's just created this big, like just positivity amongst everything. Like for the charities we get to work with for our, our, for, for our customers who have been supporting us during this time. And then also for the team, the franchisees, like they're, they're, they're impacting their community. And so now they're feeling good and sunny, like our founder, like, Oodle Noodle is down right now. And this is the happiest he's ever been. And like, it's just crazy. All this stuff that this is unlocked during this time. It's been like a positive it's provided. It's created a very positive experience very, during a very negative time. That's motivating everyone to go deeper with that, but also like be happy with, 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 with the job and what's going around, even though they're, they're, we're living in a very negative environment. So like the morale for the team has been awesome. Uh, and you know, we're, we're, we're making a bit of an impact. We're about to launch our announcement where we've donated since the start of COVID a hundred thousand dollars to local charity, which is just crazy. And for me, like we're extremely grateful because as we say in all our videos, it doesn't happen without your support, but we wanted to make sure there was a reinforcement of Oodle Noodle Loves Edmonton and just reinforce, reinforcing why you should support Oodle Noodle, um, especially during this time. But this isn't something that's like, we're, this is not going away. Like we're going to stay with this type of frequency uh, of local support um, forevermore because we're seeing the impact it's causing in the community, which is the most important part. And uh, it, it's just really... If anyone wants to challenge our Oodle Noodle Loves Edmonton, we can point to all this great stuff that we're doing and we're having so much fun doing it. And yes, a lot of it's at my expense and that's okay because then, you know, it gives our social team, uh, it makes their life easier to create social content. So, um, you know, like there's no rhyme or reason to uh, how we support charities, but we just want to make sure we're diverse. That's the biggest thing, right? We're not just like doing the same thing and we're doing it. And then we're not just like doing with just dealing with just the big charities. It's also the small charities, the positively princess, you know, and then going to the big ones, like the wind house, like all important causes doing great things, but like we want to acknowledge all of them. And so we are open to dealing with anyone who is doing anything, a volunteer it doesn't have to be a registered charity. It can be a not-for-profit or a volunteer group. But if you're doing things to, pres uh, to, to support, um, parts of our community, we're there to help. So, um, yeah, that's been kind of the, 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 the pause, like the positivity we've been, been able to unlock during COVID is that. So, um, and looking forward to doing, doing more of it. Well, I think that's an incredible part of anybody's like business journey like even even in like the first couple of years like to find the ways that we can all give back i mean it gives us appreciation for what we do it helps us connect with people it helps us kind of put out our core values like you talked about edmonton being a core value and like this is how you prove it and it's if if somebody sells a product and they say they're passionate about it it's like you you have to show why you can't just all talk kind of thing mm -hmm. um something that i ask all of my guests is i get you to give my audience a challenge for the day and so it can be anything just something that might uh, put them out of their comfort zone or something that might just kind of like help them see things differently um, it can be anything that you want. And all you have to do is say your challenge for the day is, and just let them have it. Oh, wow. Um, let's, um, let me think on that. Let's, uh, let's circle back to that. Um, oh, I bet you have people that just have one, like, just like that. Um, yeah, let's circle back to that. For sure. For sure. Um, so the other thing that I ask people is for a piece of advice that kind of just stands out to them. And on this one, don't, don't overthink it. It's every answer is a good one. And it's, if you could give one piece of advice to someone 
on how to live their life to the fullest, what would that piece of advice be? Uh, well, it's so cliche, but you know, make sure that you're doing something you're passionate about, honestly. Um, because if you don't, you're going to have a lot of bad days because you're not doing what you want to be doing. Uh, so, uh, make sure, uh, you are pursuing that and it doesn't have to be a business. It can be a career. Um, you know, it can be a lot of things and also, uh, to double down on that, making sure that, um, you know, you're giving yourself time and space for yourself. Um, you know, one of the big things, uh, for me is I let everything consume me, uh, and overwhelm me, uh, without willing to, uh, Oh, I know my challenges for everyone, uh, without willing to share my weaknesses. Uh, that is something I challenge people to do. Share your weaknesses with others. So if you have a weakness, share with it with someone, confide in someone, and you will be surprised with how that is, how transformational that is. Um, for me, I did not share my weaknesses to the point where, yes, I, I sought a mindfulness coach. But what I didn't tell you is it led to me having a panic attack. And I thought... I had a heart attack and I didn't like that's that I, I, I pushed myself that far to, to that point where I was finally willing to admit something's wrong. Um, and it is okay to have weaknesses. Uh, we all have them. Uh, but the minute you are willing to address that you do, um, the, the, the better you will be for it. Uh, and if you always have an understanding, this is an area I'm weak, then you can seek help from another person where that area is a strength for them. Uh, and that uh, goes a long way. So that would be my challenge. I don't know if that's something you can do in a day, but don't be afraid to share weakness. Vulnerability for me, the sharing vulnerability has been the, one of the biggest strengths I, I, I think I now have. Um, and it's amazing the conversations it unlocks and kind of positive experience it unlocks and also the mental sanity it unlocks and the stress that it relieves. So, yeah. Well, so I, I kind of sandwiched the two together there. Sorry. Yeah, it worked perfectly. It honestly sounded like something I would say. So I'm happy. Like I, don't, <laughs> I have yeah. no complaints here. But that basically wraps up our episode today. So I would like to thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. Oh, I appreciate you reaching out. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to, I was happy to have this chat with you.